Let's spell a song so you can sing along with one special guest star or two. You like to sing and dance, and this podcast by chance explores musicals for you. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Life's But a Song's Second Chance Theater, where we recover a topic, but with a new guest, or in this case, guests. I'm your host, John, and with me today are two returning guests, which is their first second chance, I believe. It's Sam Smith and Matan Shahar. Woo! Woo! And we're here to recover Rent from 2005. Previously, it was episode number 48 with guest... Sahid Pabon. Um, and I am so intrigued to hear the answer to this question. Sam and Matan, why did you want to recover this movie? It was it was all me. It was all me. I, thought, I yeah. I saw this at a young age. So obviously that has factored in, but I think it's one of the greatest musicals in general of the last like 30 years and one of the best movies of a show. I was expecting if you wanted to do like a Disney, because that kind of makes sense with your podcast, Lost in Blockbuster, everyone. <laughs> no, I wanted to go as sad as possible. To be totally honest, would not have pegged either of you as a rent head. That's good. Because I'm not. It's, it's all I'm him. not. It's, it's all, all him. Me. Yeah. Oh, so, no. Oh, no. Yeah, we're, we'll, we'll, we'll get into it for sure. Um, I had some issues with it. But so th- was, was this not- your first time seeing it then? Yes, the like like musical movie. Any so I've heard this song, the the Seasons five thousand. Yeah, 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 Seasons yeah. of Love, great song. Sure, heard that. Um, to be fair, heard the first version I heard of it was on The Office, um, and I didn't know that that was from Rent. And then, oh, no, then yeah, then heard then I I heard the song somewhere, um, and it is a really good song. The songs are great. So yeah, so we'll get into it. And I mean, this is your second go around like episode wise for this movie show, all that. Um, But yeah, this, this was my first foray into the, the rent wilderness. So then Sam, did you see this when it came out in 2005 or thereabouts? Yeah, I did. And I think I was 13, 13 or 14. So I was just like, yes. And I knew nothing going into it other than it had Jesse L. Martin from Law oh, and Order. Hold on, hold on. Just under two <laughs> minutes. I was like, this motherfucker's going to bring up Jesse L. Martin as fucking soon as possible. And I was like, we should start a timer. Two minutes. Uh, 1.57. Anyway, let's continue. Listen, this is going to be a whole thing. This whole episode. Law and Order was big. Oh, my God. TNT back in the day, early 2000s. So I was like, oh, this guy has a movie. And, it, and the trailer just is songs. It's just songs about being poor and being an artist. So that's all I thought it was. So needless to say. Well, yes, you're my- right. That's what it is. <laughs> They're struggling artists living in New York City. Like, the, at least with Mark, there's the, like, do I go to the corporate side and uh, give up being an artist? Like, a, like, following my passion and my art just for the money? Or do I stay poor but like create what I want. And as artists and podcasters, we ask that question a lot about ourselves. <laughs> I Every could, day. Yeah. Okay. So then were you, sorry, Matan, I'm going to focus on Sam for a hot second. Cause That's fine. That's fine. Or were you then like immersed into like the rent 
world? Like, did you like listen to the album a lot? Did you see the st- a live version of it? I did see, I listened to the album a lot. And then I saw the stage version, like the national tour, but that was like years later. And I don't think until like maybe the last couple of years that I realized, like I knew it was a big hit, but I didn't realize there was like diehard rent heads, like a community. So I think I found yes. that out during COVID and that rocked my world. Oh, so you recently found that out. Okay. So um, I've known about this since it came out in, in 1996, the, the Broadway show. And then there was a weird like, wave so there was the first wave when it came out with all the, like the teenage fans and then i was part of like the second wave because the movie came out so i was <laughs> i was singing along with the movie watching it today i still cried at moments because every fucking time i'll cover you reprise gets me i don't understand how i know it's coming i know it's happened i know it's going to happen i know angel's going to die i know they're going to sing the sad song and I still you've, cry. <laughs> you've seen her die so many times, but it gets you every time. Every fucking time. Okay, Matan, you've been patiently quiet this whole this this whole opening moment. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna I'm gonna give the floor to you, and then I think Sam and I will interject. How's that? That sounds that sounds what do you good. Want, what do you want to start with? So this movie was very hard for me to get on board with from the jump. So like. My exposure to Rent was, I think, yeah, when this movie came out, like, the theater kids at my school, like, this was a huge deal for them, obviously, because, yeah, this would have been going into freshman year. Um, So, yeah, because 2006, 2005, 2006, and, like, again, like, musicals, we've talked about it on this podcast, like, I'm not a huge musicals person, but like there you're are some. You're selective. Yeah, very selective. And this one was like Fiddler. Um, musical for musical sake. Kind of like this one. Like when you think of a musical, this is what I think of like when you think of musical where it's just like there because this this has so many songs. It almost daunting amount of songs. And um and so I was like, okay, like, yeah, it's like it's not for me, whatever. Uh and I, I never knew anything about the plot. Uh, up until Team America World, World Police, uh, mm-hmm. where yes. where they have the song "Everybody Has AIDS." Yeah, um, mm-hmm. yep. Again, I didn't know that was about rent, but I was like, okay, like it's like takes place in New York. People have AIDS. I was like, all right, seems sad, but musical. Okay, but just like never, this never really popped up again after like the first like hullabaloo about it. You know what I mean? Like when it first came out, like. And I also, like, don't hang out with, like, theater kids or, like, watch a bunch of musicals. So, like, I'm not in that space kind of thing. And so, uh, so yeah, watching it today, I'm like, all right, let, you know. Uh, and it opens up, obviously, with the... the Seasons of what, Love. Seasons of Love. Seasons of Love. Big okay. hit song. Sure. I just can't remember the name of it. Um, again, Did you this not is write it down in your notes? Your handwritten yeah, you notes? I didn't, I didn't know that that was the name of the song. <laughs> I, just, I just call it the Minute Song. He hasn't um, downloaded the soundtrack yet. Yeah, and um, so uh, watching it, and it's like, okay, the, there's like that opening thing, uh, and then it cuts to like the the filming, um, like the, the POV, like Mark's uh, filming thing. Mm-hmm. It says it in the beginning of the movie, but I did not know that this takes place in 1990 and like watching the whole movie like it feels modern like there's a couple things that are in it but they felt like choices like 
Mark has the the pager, I think, the or is beeper, it? Yeah, or yeah, the yeah. beeper page or something because it, it's Roger who has it because he has to take his AZT pill. That's what it is. Yeah, yeah. So there was that, and then like Mark's camera and stuff like that. But they felt like choices, like oh, he's just like you know, okay. he's a film film guy. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, obviously, like the absence of cell phones, but also that feels very musical anyway. Like, yeah. I don't know. It feels like it could be in twenty twenty three. Exactly. Which is not necessarily good. Well, the, well, that's the thing though, because usually with period pieces, period movies, we look to like context clues so like the like the setting and mm-hmm. the clothing and everything but like this one was a, I, I i could see your point matan it's a little hard because i mean new york in 89 90 was like just grungier than it, what it currently is and like the buildings wouldn't be so tall but like or like there's probably not as many like tall buildings but like you can't really change that unless you did a shit ton of cgi in this movie which i don't think they wanted to do and then the wardrobe yeah it's like today it's like it it, they don't have like the the loud prints that we associate with this time period it seemed like they went for like a more realistic subdued look than like a like season three of stranger things it is more realistic and i think I don't know if it was done as a choice to make it timeless kind of thing. Like Sam said, like this could have taken place this year. Like it felt current kind of. And so, uh, but at the same time, like if you're watching it in 2005, when it comes out, like I'm sure it it felt 2005, you know what I mean? And so uh, the onboarding part of this movie uh, is when they're singing about not paying rent for an apartment that is huge don't get me started New York. do not i had that thought too i was like where the fuck are they and what is this like, place that they live in yeah it's like it's the it's it's funny because it looked like the loft i don't know if you watched uh marvel's daredevil on netflix it looks like matt's yes. apartment um and it's, it's probably the same one well i was gonna say rosario dawson who's also in daredevil i was like she's familiar with this like uh she probably knew it from location but it's just like it's like how can you afford this they're trying to figure out how to pay last year's rent it's like you didn't pay rent for a year you should be regardless if you're a starving artist you've lived in new york city in like in the city for free and then you're like i'm i'm like I'm supposed to feel bad for you? Yeah, yeah. See, this is what happens when you watch Rent for the first time in your 30s, is you're like, you gotta grow up and pay rent, guys. Like, you can't be... You gotta pay rent. That's just the way society works. Yeah, you could... Like, I don't believe you're starving artists because you aren't struggling to pay rent. You did not have to pay rent for a year. And then this next year is covered if you just shut down a protest. Which I would shut down the protest. A hundred percent. And the, oh God, we'll get into it. But like, so right off the bat, I was like, I don't identify or feel bad for these characters, AIDS regardless. Um, like, like, so Jesse L. Martin, when he gets jumped or whatever at the beginning, I'm like, that sucks. But like Mark, I don't know. It, it's, but to be fair though, Anthony Rapp, I think Mark was my favorite character. He's the one I most identify with. Yes, which Damn. it was funny in the, the last episode uh, when you re- first did this, uh, you guys mentioned how Mark is like a seventh wheel to to everybody. It's how I relate. 
And it's just like, <laughs> yeah, he really is just doing his own thing and everyone else is like coupling up and having like adventures and Mark's just like Yeah, that's me. That's me minus the camera. I am Mark. Well, so, so the the idea behind this, to give you a little bit more backstory, is that Jonathan Larson, the composer and writer, uh based this around his friends. So they're like you can I forget who they are, but you can find this somewhere on the online where like every single person has like a it's like there's a real life person that was the inspiration behind it. And yeah. I believe he, Jonathan Larson was Mark. So yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. With that in context, you're like, okay, I get it that you're, you're the observing, observing and writing everything. So yeah, but I don't know. I, <laughs> you guys are, this is bulletproof for me. <laughs> I'm going to try and defend it. Judge, no, for but, sure. Yeah, like yeah. I can, I can see. Like I told Sam before we started recording, like that this, I can see it for people who love me. Like it's just not for me. Um, okay. and there are things that I like. There was there was numbers I really liked. We'll go over it, like the sharps and flats and stuff like that. And this is great because usually I'm the dissenting voice on this podcast. So it's finally it's great to have somebody else do it. Be like, I did it like this because X, Y, and Z, and then we have a great conversation about it. So, okay. uh, so I, I mean, I realized while rewatching this for uh, movie that. I am the age that these actors are when they made the movie. So mm-hmm. we're in our thirties. And I was like, you're supposed to be in your twenties. But like, what's interesting is being thirties and living in New York. And it's like, you still kind of have this mindset where you're like, well, my job doesn't really pay me that much, but fuck, I'm going to still live my life. And I still have to, but I still have all these bills to pay. So it kind of, this time around it kind of hit that for me but matan would it be different if they looked younger if they were like actually like in their 20s would you be a little bit more sympathetic when you say well so would you say like blah blah like oh we have these bills to pay what bills did they have to pay well they still you still have electric you still have to pay electricity and then there's sometimes you have to do like hot water or water itself um, then there's the phone bill, which might be part of electricity, but may not. I Their answering machine bill. <laughs> oh my god, you are missing. I I want you. I know you. I I want you to actually see a stage version of this because then you can see the whole picture. Because like I think he takes the stage version more because of the voicemails, because of the Jewish mom. He doesn't like Jewish uh... mom voicemails. Yeah, I'd probably I'd probably actually really hate that. But I think I think I would but I do think I'd probably enjoy it more as a stage play than the movie cuz the movie I feel like was too I because this when I'm watching it like a play or a musical or like like stage production I'm you're engaged. You're there. Yes, yes. But like for a movie, I'm treating this as a movie, and musicals for me, it, they don't work as movies for me because I can't separate. The suspension of disbelief is like a lot harder for me because I'm like, 
again, like I'm noticing things that just like wouldn't work, but obviously like in a musical world, it's like, but you can watch fast 10. Yeah. Hey, 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 we do not judge fast and furious in this household. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. But no, but like the, the stage production, um, you can kind of forgive it more because you're like, I'm going to the theater and I'm yes. expecting this. What about, okay, so the movie, have you seen the movie version of Les Mis? Yes. Okay, so Rent, the stage version, is more singing. They, mm-hmm. I mean, you probably could tell that some of the dialogue was song. Could Could you tell that? Yes. Because they had that patter going and timing and everything. But when yes. it's, I watching this, I was like, I wish they just accepted the fact that it's a musical and just did it. Yeah. But I think that's what happens when you get a guy who doesn't make musicals making this movie. Right. Because Columbus, the, the weirdest choice. And the, it Wait, was just Columbus did this? Yeah. Yeah. Right after Harry Potter 2. This is the follow-up for him. I mean, he had the Harry Potter. He had the maybe it's a passion project. I don't know. Well, and we're we're also like in like the post Chicago, where we're figuring out how to make musicals again. Mm-hmm. So this was like early on until recently, when they're like, "Fuck it, it's a musical. Deal with it, audiences." Yeah. Um. Okay. What else? What other point talking points do you have you prepared? Some some of the characters in Rent are not not technically as poor as the others. Like I think Tom Collins is like a math professor, which I don't know how much they pay, but he's probably a com- more than a computer science a- teacher. I think professor. Or something. Yeah. I thought he had more yeah. computer. Yeah, something he teaches something. Right. And then you know Joanne's a lawyer, so like I don't think she's hurting for cash. Though they never say what type of lawyer. Just, no, she's just lawyer. Lawyer, that, just lawyer. Benny married Rich and worked is now working for his father-in-law. So, but like he's not really part of the family. The family. no, I don't count him. I don't um, count him as part of the family. Ever. I so the the issue that I had with Benny was just like I couldn't tell if they do like him or they do, like. I get that they like. They he, they were roommates before and stuff like that, but then yeah, then he married Rich. I think Benny's like the victim in this whole story. Benny's the victim. What? The la- <laughs> Benny's the landlord, the victim. Here's the thing with Benny. Oh my what? god! They were friends. He married Rich. Not his fault. Good for him. He gave them a lot of slack on the rent, and they just were kind of mean and took advantage of him. And Starting they trials. murdered his dog. Well, they didn't know it was his dog. But still, they are dog murderers. The Akita. The worst thing he did was hook up with Mimi after and like steal her away from Roger. But you know what? In his defense, they took advantage of him. He gave them free rent for a year. He asked one simple thing and they couldn't do it. And was going to give them free rent for another year. Yeah. Team Benny all the way. Well, to their defense, they are capital A artists. And so the fact that... Benny sold his soul to the devil and changed sides. Basically, now they're they're kind of like mm, we don't like really hate you, but we also don't like you. So yeah. we'll talk to you. We'll acknowledge your presence. Maybe you could hang out with us once with the dust clears and everything. But like we're 
we're not friends right now. That's how I view it. Yeah, no, there's being that I theater mean, kid that Matan was talking about in high school who's obsessed with rent. Yes, this is <laughs> this is my viewing of it. Yeah, yeah. But you're you're the artist, you know what I mean? And then Right. I, I mean my view changes every time I watch it. Like this time I'm team Benny. But as a kid, I am team Mark and Roger all the way. I'm like, don't pay them anything. Make your art. Don't work for Sarah Silverman. We'll get to Sarah Silverman. I mean, um, even now in my 30s, I'm still on their side. I'm just also like seeing the other perspective of it. I would love to work for Sarah Silverman, even if it wasn't Sarah Silverman, but like $3,000 a gig? Like, are you kidding even today, me? Yeah. Even today's money, $3,000, I would be 90s? like... Give me you want what do you want me to do? Film something? Cool. I'll do it. <laughs> and it's 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 uh it's yeah, th- it's starting three thousand with escalating pay. Like it sounds like an incredible job. And it's like you- and, and they didn't show enough of it where you were like, Well, what's he doing there that's making him sell his soul other than working for this mega corporation? Like, yeah. Is he having to do like lame commercials? Like what's he doing? They don't really ever say. Yeah. Uh, or is he like filming and editing up uh, events like the um the protest slash that protest, turned into a yeah. riot if he's doing shit like that that's also a lot of work but like you can justify like three is it three th- it's three thousand dollars a segment right yeah so yeah we're we're talking like take a couple of weeks or a, a, a week and do for multiple whatever. segments like in a week and be set for like a few months. You know what I yeah. mean? Like stop. Yeah. They're not making him do like, you know, cover Ted Nugent music videos or, like or something. Like pieces or anything like yeah. that. Yeah. Okay. Like, I'm seeing I'm seeing your side. I'm going to agree with you on this one on this one mo- instance for the moment <laughs> because I'm sure. like cuz I'm thinking of back I was like I've held multiple jobs. I'm pretty sure you've had held multiple jobs at one point where you're like, "Oh, I really would like to have that thing called a social life but i would also like to you know have money because <laughs> we live yeah. in a capitalist society so yeah i was I, i'm like the the documentary that he's doing is such a passion project that like you can get back to that there is no deadline like keep well, even he, he starts the when he talks about the filming in the beginning he's like i just shoot whatever he was like, and just hope I find something along. Like he doesn't have a plan, and to, up until like he goes to like the the AIDS meeting or whatever. But like before, he's just like, I just film everything and just cut it together, kind of thing. And then it becomes like after like uh, he meets Angel and stuff like he's, that. He's finding his inspiration. Yeah, but yeah. just like you had nothing going on before, so it's just like who, like who, like I get that prior to it becoming the documentary he doesn't have a passion project you know what i mean apart from just filming and it's just like well so i don't know the way i see it (laughs) because you know everyone this is an unfinished piece you guys know this correct jonathan larson died before it was over yeah before yeah so opening i think mark is the type of artist that has the idea for something but doesn't like have it fully fleshed out yet where he's like, it's just super basic. Like I want to make a documentary about New York city, but like, that's a broad. Yeah. yeah. He'll never finish. Yeah. 
Right. Which so we can I, all relate to as creative people. We all have like a thousand ideas that we never like fully come to fruition. Yeah. Or or you're like, oh, I have a thousand ideas and I'm going to do one of them for like an hour a day and that's it. So I feel like he has to realize you can hold down a job, but then you can do this as a hobby or side project because like, if you're not laser focused on what your topic is, like you're just going all bouncing all over the place, you know, filming whatever. And then, you know, shit hits the fan and you know, somebody dies and blah, blah, blah. So, haha. Because it's the same with the writer. He seems to be just solely focused on writing the perfect one, one song. song. Yeah. He, yeah. I'm like, does has he ever completed before the song? How many songs has he written before? But wasn't I feel he, like he's just like I'm putting all my eggs into this one song basket. But wasn't he like a like a rock musician star before? Like yeah, before? but they may they may have been a cover band, or it may not have been his songs. See, that's yeah, that's when they were doing his like Billy Idol flashback or whatever. I think it's Kurt Cobain for the time period. No, Billy I Idol because Kurt Billy, Cobain. Like his short- blonde hair and like his punk rock attitude and whatever like and then um yeah when uh what's it called his his, his girlfriend uh April. yeah April, April when yeah when she they're she's doing heroin or whatever and gets HIV again I don't know if like the stage production would have been better but like that whole number when he's singing and then it like but then it cuts to like it's like their relationship, but then it cuts to like her using drugs and then her getting the HIV results. Like I didn't feel bad. Like it just felt cheesy. And like it felt almost like it was a parody. Again, I, I I wonder if the stage production just would would have like been better with it. But like that number specifically had me worried for the rest of the film because I was like, I know AIDS plays a big part in this. Like like when Angel finds Tom Collins in the uh, the alley or whatever and. He, he was like, I have AIDS. I was like, okay, like, cool. Weird thing to bring up immediately. But when they did the song thing and then like it's showing that like they have HIV, I was like, is this what the rest of the movie is going to be like when it's the serious parts kind of? Because then I like, I can't. But it, it did get better as it went on. But just like, again, first two, like first two major numbers kind of like were Rocky, Rocky starts. I feel like it finds its footing after the candle song. And like, there was people in this that I was like, oh, like, I didn't like, I didn't know she was in it. I didn't know Jesse L. Martin was in it. I don't Uh, know how you didn't know this. I think for me, uh, I mean, like, we'll touch on it later in like Sharps and Flats and stuff like that. But like, uh, the Tango Maureen, that's Mm -hmm. where, like, again, I think Mark's my favorite character. Yeah. So when there was like Mark centric numbers, those ones where I was like, oh, this feels more like the kind of musical I want or like how I want it to be in the thing. Like I liked um, like when he like gets dropped, like that, that I had a question about that. Cause I don't know if that's like the stage production thing. Uh, when it, when he does the tango uh, and it cuts to like the big ballroom kind of scene, is that like a dream sequence? Did he like get knocked out? Yes. Like when he that gets is dropped? The, so that is not in the stage version at all. What happens yeah, is okay. there is a dance usually during that number but it's only between mark and joanne yeah and what's really interesting about the stage version is that you do not meet maureen until the protest until over the moon so you have this whole like act 
act one is longer clearly and there's show there's a shit ton of songs and everything and you hear all about this character yeah who is the top eight you know main cast members but like mm-hmm. you never meet her you until yeah. yeah 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 and so like when Which uh, i think is kind of what they messed up on the movie a little bit is by showing her a little too early Kind I don't of? know. I th- I I kind of I kind of like it though. Like the the dance break in Tango Maureen, like kind of made me think of El Tango de Roxanne in um, Moulin Rouge, and it worked because they're singing about her telling the story, but then you're also getting more the visual. The visual, yeah, and there's choreography, and you know they're doing a very sensual dance. And Maureen is a very sensual character, as we know, or as we will know. So I'm yeah. always intrigued, though. They never said, I never heard how Maureen and Joanne met. And I would love to know that if anybody yeah. knows how they met. Because in the stage show, there's more information. So, like you were talking about Roger before One Song Glory. Well, Mark kind of acts like a narrator to the audience. And right before yeah. that song happens, he informs us that April, uh, Roger's ex, wrote a letter saying, like, you know, we've got AIDS and then slit her wrists. So it's a little darker, too. Yeah, I didn't yeah. get that from the movie. I would have loved that. Um, the whole, like, this, watching the stage production, you just, it's just a ride of tension because you're, like, right in front and it's so much more darker. And there's yeah, a no, whole uh, song about, it's called Contact, and it's all about safe sex. Matan, it's gonna sound weird, but you have to again, you're accepting everything when you're in the audience. Yeah. They pull out like mm-hmm. a big bed sheet or big piece of fabric, and they're all underneath yeah. it, simulating like sex and everything. And like it's such an interesting number that I'm I, I, after listening to the first chance, I'm also upset that they cut it because like they could have easily done it as like cutting into everyone's sex life. Yeah, like that sounds visually interesting and I think it would have been I think it could have been in this movie and done well because again like the tango scene it being a movie they're able to like do a fantasy make it sequence. Kind of, yeah, but like kind of more bombastic but then also again more visual because yeah when they bring Maureen in I knew Adele Nazim was in this movie. Yes, Adele Nazim um, is in this movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, but, the like, wickedly talented <laughs> But uh, so yeah, Adina Mazel uh, was in this. But like, when Rosario Dawson popped up, I was like, she's not in the original cast, right? And so I was like, uh, I was like, that's not. And because I again, I don't know the character of Maureen. I don't know who's who right. and stuff. And I was like, I'm sure, that's Rosario Dawson. And I'm like, oh yeah, that's Rosario Dawson. Um, and so then like they keep referencing Maureen. I was like, okay. Like then when she shows up in that dance sequence, I'm like, oh, here she is. Okay. But then, yeah, I liked how the visuals of, like, there's, like, one bit in the sequence where it's uh, Mark, her, and Joanne, like, all dancing. The three of them are tank, and she's in the middle. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's like, oh, okay. And, like, this whole song is, like, the realization of, like, oh, yeah, like, she's playing both of us for the most part. Um, and it's like, oh, okay, she's the villain um, from this from this movie, from what I gathered. I feel like... I don't want to say she doesn't have an arc, but like she's your 2023 version of an influencer on TikTok. 
But she's, okay. she starts off, like, not great. Because, like, her introduction, or we learn about her from Mark and Joanne, like, going over their experiences with her and stuff. And they're realizing, like, oh, she's not that great. But then things get a little bit better. Uh, and then um, Joanne asks her later to, like, commit to her. Uh, and then that falls through later. And I'm just like, I don't like you. Uh, <laughs> and, like, the the protest... So admittedly, I was tired when I was watching this and I was starting to fall asleep right before the protest. And then the protest happens and a bunch of it is just her like the mooing, mooing, screaming. Like I was like, all right, I'm up now, but not in a good way. I was like, good thing the police shut this down. (laughs) Like I would have called the cops. But yeah, no, it was uh, she was tough for me. Uh, for this but like I like I like uh, Adina Menzel like I saw Wicked in LA in high school at like the Disney Center whatever it is like the big um, Symphony Hall whatever uh, there and that was that was incredible well so it sounds like you have more problems with the characters than with the actual cast is that well, true? Yeah, no and it's not the cast it's 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 the the characters so, yeah. it's character motivations and I think Jonathan Larson was much stronger at writing songs than he was at like character development and certain well, but this thing like I didn't like a lot of the songs. Like oh this I that, like that's a hot take. Nothing because I feel like too like I know this is like a common thing for like musicals and stuff like that, but it's just like you guys can do it, but I can't like I couldn't listen to the songs on their own. There's other musicals where I'm like, oh, yeah, this song slaps like this one. You know, I can listen to this. These are great songs, stuff like that. But this one, I think they're too not visual, but like, I feel like you have to be watching it. I have to be watching it for it to like be registering, if that makes any sense, because like it It is like, no, it totally does. I understand. Okay, so because you were assigned this in a way because of Sam. Thanks, Sam, for making me watch it again. Would you rewatch this movie on your own? Or with Sam or with friends or something? Like, would you... No, but I would see the stage production. Okay. 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 So I'm enough to hook you into that. Like, I think the subject matter... And, like, there's there was bits I really liked. Like, I loved Angel. Um, I love, like, everyone that kind of through line. Um, everyone loves Angel. And once again, kills dogs. Right. Yeah. And so... Uh, and, I, and I'm on the same page. Love her, too. But in the back of my mind, I'm like, you killed a dog. Sure. And like the subject matter and like how you guys have mentioned that like the stage production is like a bit darker. Like I wanted darker from this and it was a lot of it was just too like. Well, you know who was supposed to direct it for the longest time? Spike Lee, which could have made it darker. Is that what so the part about like, oh, Spike Lee shooting down the street. Is that like a I think like an in the stage version that's in the stage show as well? Because oh, he, okay. he would film a lot in New York, I guess. Yeah. Especially in the 80s. So like yeah. that's that's the joke. But um to go back to Angel for a hot second, I think a lot of people resonated with her because it was like a different form of like a queer identity on stage that wasn't oh. a joke. 
I, I mean, I had this whole realization while, while rewatching this movie that, like, I hope Wilson Germ- Germain Heredia and his family, who were all bullied after this movie came out because he's playing this character. Mm-hmm. Like, I hope they realize, though, that, like, that character spoke to a whole generation of yeah. people. Like, and, no. and to this day, because it's still being performed. Well, so that was, like, a thing, too, was, like, I can look back at 2005 and like for there to be a like character like this, like in like not even just on a stage production, but like in a movie, you know, like that's not because like in 2005, people were still like, I mean, we were saying retard and we were saying, you know, F I mean, the F word. We were and like, I like to r- remind people that like, when I was in high school, I so I was out in high school. I was I came out when I was like 15 years old, but we still right. said that's so gay as a derogatory thing. Not yeah. really talking about that's so homosexual, but like no, just a Call of Duty kind of way, right? But like the, the fact that like you had uh, queer couples, you had um, representation, re- you had representation, you had. I mean. Also, thinking about it, Maureen, I I know that she sounds like a relationship villain, but I think she's just, like, polyamorous. It's also in a time where, where we didn't have a lot of words that came about within the last, within the 21st century. So, like, because we're re-examining gender and sex and sexual orientation and all that. And so we're coming out with these different terms uh, or newer words to describe people I mean, some may say she was a big all flirt and would just sleep around, but like, I feel like she just wants to be in an open relationship with people. So, and- I mean, she touches on she touches on that in the one song again, the names of them. Uh, but like when she's like, "That's just who I am," you know what I mean? And it's just like when you preface it like that, it's like, yeah, it does seem like it would. She does seem polyamorous now, but it's like because we have the word polyamorous now it's something it's a topic you can bring up with whoever your partner is as opposed to just mm-hmm. like i just like to be around and stuff like that and in in this in the movie i i still stand by she's a relationship villain um but oh no uh, she is it's, it's just because she didn't express her wants like yeah, that yeah yeah but like like if she did now then it's like oh yeah like that is uh, a valid thing that people are doing and stuff like that but again it's uh, it's all communication you know stuff like that but just like yeah but still but even for that to be portrayed on screen and for her to be like blah blah like that's just who i am as opposed to like joanne making her out to be the villain kind of thing and like they all still can come together in the end with you know angels you know deterioration and stuff like that like when they're in the hospital and stuff like that but like but then even at the but, very very end when mimi but, basically dies and comes back to yeah. life magically mm-hmm. i'll never understand that i don't know i don't know how you felt about it but i'm just like you died and then just magically came back to life without any cpr or anything that like all that? The time. cool the version in my head she just dies like i just can't in my version that's how it ends so so prior to me seeing this movie i thought most of them like i was i was fully expecting most of them to die at the end of this so so when angel died i was like oh it's starting uh and then like mimi goes missing and stuff like that i was like 
it's continuing. And then I was like, oh no, like again, like I wanted this darker. <laughs> so yeah. um Well, they don't all die in the stage production. Just to let you know. Well, yeah, I'm not saying that, but like I I don't know what it was. I think maybe just like the AIDS part of it in general. I just assumed because I knew people died. I don't think I knew like specifically who or what or when or whatever. I just like I knew that this was sad. I knew everybody had AIDS and I knew there is death in it. But I also thought everyone lived together. Like I thought everyone was in one. It was like a lot giant loft. With all well, the thing is, they are in a giant loft built enough for enough well, of those people, the and they're yeah, not and then, right on it. And then you find out like the relationships and like how interconnected everybody is. Yeah, which is like how most group of friends are. Like that right, because then you'd be like, "Hey, I'm dating this person. Let me introduce you to my friend group." And like. Yep. You know, all of a sudden you pick up another friend because a couple of you worked with them or something. Yeah. And that starts with them. It's like Mark, Roger, Tom are the three friends, and then everyone else is brought along. And Maureen. Maureen Maureen and Benny as well, because they all live. Wait. I think it's actually the four guys. I think it's Mark. Roger, Collins, and Benny lived Benny. together, and Maureen was dating Mark and was part of that friend group. So then, like, Benny got married and left the apartment. Collins, yeah. I guess, just left because of he got a job at NYU. Unclear. Had that professor money. He was like, I don't need to live with two other guys. I can live on my own. He's like, I got tenure. So then you, throughout the show, you see how the other, how Joanne... Well, I still don't know how Maureen and Joanne met. <laughs> like I said, yeah, they, never, they, they met never and, bro- and Maureen and Mark broke up. That's all we got. And then you see the other two characters and their introductions to this friend circle. Which I'd like to that Maureen started dating Joanne because she got herself into some legal scrapes. Oh, I'm with, like the protests and stuff like that. It's a real possibility. And she just flirts with her as she flirts with everybody. Classic Maureen. Um, but uh, yeah, and then that's how they... That's, but I mean, still, it, it, it would have been nice to see more of more that explored and stuff like that. Again, like that whole... I liked the Mark-Joanne-Maureen dynamic kind of thing. And I, it would... was, I think it was perfect for a tango. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. that. I that's my favorite part of the movie. But we'll get... Yeah, go on. I would love to see read the original script of this because I would love to just see how it evolved into what I mean Jonathan Larson's original script from mm-hmm. yeah I don't even know when he started writing this he was still working on it when it when he died at the Manhattan Theater Workshop so he didn't even see the Broadway transfer <laughs> yeah. yeah I think he died at what opening night of the off Broadway yeah and that's another piece too like well how would this have changed afterwards like if he was still with us and we would have gotten so many more musicals from him which would have been great oh my god yes and he like with rent as it was on broadway revamped musical theater in a way because like i don't think we would get a lot of like rock musicals that we have that have been out since then or get more into like deeper subjects as some shows have been doing so i think 
I think Rent came out at like the right time, but also I wish it was, I wish we could get more from Jonathan Larson just to see. Because I feel like he would be like Sondheim in a way, if you guys know any Sondheim oh. shows. Yes, 100%. Yeah. There's a couple things, Jonathan Larson wise, I guess. Um, if he had not passed away, do you think he would have done any sort of revising? Like, do you think Rent as well, we know it? is final vision or do you think that there was do you think he would have done it see it's hard because of what it is currently so we're talking like alternate reality right now where yeah yeah. he's alive and he got to actually finish it i hope it would be as successful or more and i hope that like tick tick boom and superbia could have been completed but I don't know. He was like experimenting with rock, with uh, the art scene of New York. So I think it still would have spoken to a lot of people if he kept a lot of things in there, like the the queerness, like the open discussion about AIDS. Because when he was writing this, it was also, you have to remember that AIDS was very much seen as like the gay disease. Yeah. So the fact that you had heterosexual characters in this musical that had had. AIDS, granted, they contracted it by drug use, not by sex, but still, it showed you that anybody can get it. So I don't know. I think I think if he were able to complete it to his liking, I I think it still would have been a hit because like. Seasons of Love is such an anthem song. You have to admit yeah. that. But like, yeah, you've heard a bunch of, I sang it in high school a couple of times. You probably heard it in your school. You, the listener, probably heard it in your high school as like the, we love each other, we'll be friends forever kind of song. Yeah. The Good New uh, Year's song too. Yeah. <laughs> Do you think if he, if he had been alive, it would be as successful? Because I know so, you guys talk about the um, like the cast and stuff like that, like wanting to like pay their respects. Uh, so they did it. Yeah. They did it. They didn't really like do it full out, from what I remember reading, until La Vie Bohème, the song in the cafe, where yeah. that's when they felt inspired to actually do it and yeah. like commit to everything. But again, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, it's just yeah. yeah, it's just it's like a thought experiment, but it's just like one of those like, because there, I mean, there's uh, authors and all kinds of other stuff where it's just like, I feel like we talked about it on another episode of of this podcast, but uh, with like Heath Ledger's death for The Dark Knight, like, I'm not saying that movie wouldn't have been as as successful, but like his performance is obviously one of the greats, but just like his death, I do think like you know what I mean, just mm-hmm. gave it like a bump. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, Wait. because like there is the tragedy of it and stuff, and I think this musical, like the the subject matter, like I, I feel like his death kind of not popularized. It, it like it, made it heavier. It made like, it. That... It also made it a thing that everyone wanted to go see. Yeah. So, like so, like there's a lot with especially with movies. There's a lot of actors that have done things that it's like this is the last thing they did before they died, like. Raul Julia and Street Fighter. It's not a good movie, but I think people still went to go see it because Raul Julia died and he that was the last thing he did. So there's a lot of things that happen that I think people 
myself included, because you hear something and you're like, I now have to go see this. Um, they just want to be part of the conversation and part of like whatever this history making thing is. Yeah. Whether it's good good or not is another another yeah. <laughs> topic. You want to go see it and you want to maybe understand what happened because like with Heath Ledger's death, we don't really know. But also to bring, make it even more modern, Wakanda Forever, everyone fucking went to go see that movie because they were yeah. like, how are you going to do this without Chadwick Boseman? How are you going to handle this? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's a weird and morbid way to look at life, but it, it just happens. Yeah. And it's unfortunate with like movies and film and TV shows as well. Like all form of entertainment, really, it is... It is that. It is entertainment. I think this musical, though, would still be as successful even if he had lived. But I think with his, like, you know, unexpected passing, it really did deliver the message of live life for today because you don't know how much time you have. And it just makes it does. It does add weight to the movie. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Or production, play all of it. You know what I mean? Like, it does give it like because it's spent like the subject matter and stuff like that like yeah it definitely plays into it and then like it hits harder like again i can recognize this at like like i can see why people love this i can see why it's good i can see that sh- other stuff that i do like um like musicals and stuff like that that it's influenced but i think i would like the stage production more than i enjoyed this film but there was like there was some 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 weak stuff for for sure in the film, but like from what uh, you talked about on the previous episode, uh, like there was like stuff that got cut out. Like there was the voicemails thing um, with the all the parents. There's one voicemail where it's a quartet, where yeah. it's different parents, it's it's different characters' parents singing, and they're all sing their versus and it's such like in the stage version he played they play more with like the voices and how layered things are yeah and you're missing that here because new york is a loud place even in 1989 i can guarantee you new york was a loud place so the fact that they kind of cut that out and there's a lot of silences plus (laughs) i don't know how you felt about it but like when they cut to black and then brought came back, I was like, commercial break? What am I? Yeah. Is this like, the TV and I've seen land? This, yeah. Or am I like, this is the next episode? What am I, what's happening here? Like, yeah, there were some things that I, that when they translated it, didn't work. Which, I mean, a lot of people have said that. So, and I love, I love Rent and a lot of other Rent heads feel that way. So, yeah. I mean, there's only like there's uh, like obviously only so much you can do and stuff like that. But when you when you pointed out like New York being loud, you're you're a hundred percent right. Um, but I was just thinking about it like when it cuts to like wide shots of like the apartments and stuff like that. There's like no extras in this movie. They're like they're they're right. I mean in a couple scenes, but like it's just there's like only a all the cars are stationary. For the most part, like it's really just these like they didn't take advantage six, of it being a movie. Six to eight people, yeah, like or, uh, or except, like, not always take advantage of it being a movie because like like, like the tango said, sequence, yeah, when it goes to the yeah, like that, like that was like it makes up for the lack of everything else in it. And, but like 
when you mentioned that, like now looking back, I'm like, oh yeah, there's a lot, a lot of like empty space in this movie kind of thing. Whereas opposed to if this is just on a stage, everything's compacted. So it's like, it feels more lived in more whatever, because it's like, it's, it's a, it's a much smaller scale. But like when you're showing wide shots, when you're showing like establishing stuff, I'm like, this is in New York City. Like I get that's in New York City, but it feel it might've been shot on a set um like a sound I think it was all like Canada or sound stages yeah Yeah, because I was gonna say like there's bits where I'm like this doesn't feel natural this feels like I'm at Universal Studios so Sam with what Matan was saying the whole episode were are you surprised is this where you thought he was what he was going to think about it I thought he would like it because the songs are just good like they're good fun rock songs and they sing more more than they do like the talk sing like they actually sing the songs a lot more than a lot of especially modern day musicals so i thought he would have been a bigger fan so my thing is the songs again did not necessarily click with me there's a couple ones i really liked but i like less songs like this was like a lot of songs there's a lot of songs but you liked more than you disliked you would say yes okay but but again, like just there's just so many that it was like daunting after a bit for me. Is there anything else though you guys want to talk about before we get into Sharp and Flat? Yeah, that's let's get into Sharp and Flat then, shall we? Sharp Flat. So in this section, we're gonna highlight some moments, whether or not we talked about it. If we liked it, it's sharp. And if we didn't like it or thought it could change, it's flat. And because it's second chance theater, we're gonna see if John agrees. Okay, so John does agree. He, I looked at my <laughs> former sharps and flats. Yeah, I, I agree with everything. So we're going to see what my new ones are. Who wants to go first and with what? I mean, I give it up to you guys. You go. Oh, me? First sharp? Oh, man. I would just say the cast. Like, I do think these eight people are perfectly cast. And they all deliver. And then you throw in Sarah Silverman. She's great, too. And then the one homeless lady cameo. She was really good. Like, that is a really good scene because it really does show the kind of, like, other perspective of the homeless struggle, which is that of the homeless people. Yeah. So I would say the entire cast is the biggest sharp of all. Do you have any other sharps? Oh, I mean, the entire soundtrack. Like, there's not one song I don't like. Don't get me wrong. I have my favorites. Like, the song Rent is just a banger. La Viva M is a, like I don't know the lyrics. I've heard that song a million times. And I still cannot never sing you the song. Like gun to my head, I would still not be able to. Come You'd be like La Viva M, La Viva. I'm like yogurts, beans, cheese. Yoga. I don't know. Masturbation, weed. Oh, do you have? It's any like other... I could not sing that whole song. I don't know how they anyone does that. Props to everyone else. Uh, the ten sharps uh yeah so uh as mentioned previously the angle marine uh just favorite part um just because again like great i love a good tango in general like the choreography i think was was great and like visual storytelling along with the song also um i thought was really good um anthony rap in general like i didn't like all the characters necessarily but uh yeah anthony rap i think was my favorite mark um because i liked that he was the 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 kind of observer um and i liked the use of his camera and stuff like that like in the like how he does 
find his inspiration kind of thing and just like you know you start with just random like when he's filming the homeless guy cleaning the one guy's car or whatever and just like what are you doing with this but then uh you know like by the end when he's showing like his film and stuff like that like i thought that was you know that was you know it pays off and stuff like that and that was you know sad but one bit sadder that the flat of mine we'll, we'll we'll jump to flats in a second but like I wanted it sadder, but like in terms of sharps, there's a the couple songs, uh, the the number one song, um, seasons of love, seasons, seasons of, of love. love. We'll I you. keep wanting to say sound of that, not even close, not even close. <laughs> it's just because it's in the news, and so um, in the opening thing when they're doing um, that song, I'm assuming that happens in the stage production as well. Is there an overture or is there is that so they just they moved that song it's originally opens act two okay what happens in the beginning is like mark does the uh december 24th 9 p.m eastern standard time the opening is interesting because there is no overture there is nothing and it basically is just a lead up into the song Rent. And then Seasons of Love opens act two where it's the entire cast in a line. Usually. Yeah. Usually. Follow up on your sharp, though. My sharp, though, is these characters. I think that's one reason it resonates because everyone has a character they identify with and then maybe a character they aspire to be more like. Like, I'm 100% Mark. But I would really like to be Collins because he's like, I think, the strongest character of them all. Like, he's easygoing. He's got a job. You just want to be Jesse L. Martin. A hundred Let's be clear. Great actor from the character. He's the most compassionate. Well, he's one of the more compassionate ones of the group. Yeah. Got his stuff together. He isn't like, he's committed in his relationship. He's committed to his friends. I'll jump on that. I did like Collins. I liked his character. I liked his relationship with Angel. Obviously, another big sharp was Angel in general. Um, when Angel's introduced to like the group, uh, when she's in like the like the Christmas thing, you know, like that was that was a fun fun intro. Um, like Mark is the outsider kind of thing, looking at all this, and I think everything else kind of centers around Angel. Interesting. I never really. I mean, yes. Because, I mean, like, they, I mean, it's the, the one thing that kind of brings them together in the end. Me too, but, like... She's the glue in the relationship for all of them. Yes. Because yeah. they make it a point to each share something they each one have, like a special connection. Yes. So And, and same with Collins. The only one who's committed to the friends, committed to her relationship, like, just a strong character. Yes. Because, like, even Benny showed up to the funeral. Yes, he was... Mimi probably dragged him and he's not really he's not really part of the friend group at that time but like he even showed up to pay respects because he had he had no beef with Angel yeah yeah I don't think they even no well in the movie they don't really share that much time together yeah what about your flats uh Sam first okay so my flats are the dead dog flat number one dead dog <laughs> flat two maureen hi it's sometimes it's hard for me to like like her and i'm just kind of like oh you're the worst but i still do but still the worst but my biggest flat because no one i think has ever talked about this 
is in the first song of Run when they throw the keys to Collins and then he gets beat up and Angel comes and saves them. And then he shows up. They even say it 14 hours later. Like Mark and Roger never were like, hey, what happened? It's been 20 <laughs> minutes. Where's our friend with our keys? Like they never are concerned. Like that's some bad friends right there. Well, they're too busy singing about rent. And then they run into Benny. <laughs> Self-absorbed. It's their one weakness. Yeah. Hours later, they're like, do you want to help me go look for them? Yeah. It's like, what were you doing before? Like you'd be, if, again, you don't have a cell phone. You would be concerned if your friend who you were supposed to see short, like you toss him down the keys and then hours go by. What? He's been abducted. For, if there was no angel. He'd be dead. Yes. Uh-huh. Uh, any other flats, Sam? Nope. Those are, those are my three big ones every time that really okay. get to me. Matan. Let's hear uh, yeah, so some of my flats were, again, the opening, the Rent song. Um, not The song itself was good, but at the same time, I'm like, what do you guys got to complain about? I would kill to uh, to live there in your giant loft, uh, absolutely rent-free. Just um, stop one protest. Yeah, just stop. I would. I mean, I would cut it off at the source. Um, and, uh, yeah, I think no. It, uh, I think it's also, they all know who Maureen is, and, like, I think she would still do the protest no matter if how hard they try to stop her. And so they're like, we're between a rock and a hard place right now. And I'd rather, I would rather not fight Maureen than Benny. Fair. Fair. That's a fair interpretation. Cause yeah, she'd be way more annoying to them than Benny would be. Right. And then she'd Benny, be like, I'm still going to fucking do it. She'll just protest them, you know? And they don't right. want that. Yeah. No one's going to watch Mark's documentary if she protests him. Yeah. <laughs> for sure um i would say her her character again relationship villain this was separate incredibly white ass like when she moons in the diner in um what's it called uh Aviva yeah this is your flat not a flat but i was just like i it, it took me out i was like is this a butt double um but uh but, yeah, no, she, she, yeah classic Adele Dazeem. um but she uh like it's one like how sam said like everyone has like something like a person you identify with and then like a person you you want to be there's also a person that i don't like because i feel like i know people like that in real life and maureen i feel like i know i've I've met multiple maureens in my life you know what i mean where i'm just like oh yeah yeah 100 so like, yeah that and then obviously like thankfully didn't get it but knowing about it the 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 jewish mom voicemails wouldn't have liked that but it thankfully we just get a little bit of them but again i did want to hear like when you talked about like the the other parents doing it um which again like the like the parents in this like when the mom calls mark or whatever it's just oh just checking up on you i love you and stuff and it's just like everything's going pretty great for mark minus like being broke but like again, not paying rent, and so uh, yeah. Um, another uh, well, even in the song, and I I always forget the name. I just call it the America song. You know what? This is America. Even when they're showing each character struggling, you're like, see Mark, and you're like, oh no, Mark, you have a good paying job. Oh, what you what you own? What you own? Yeah, I'm like Roger's the one like homeless in the streets of L.A. Here, you have a job. It's hard for me. Like your struggles are not equal here, Mark. Yeah, another one right. was the candle song. I love that song. You flatted just, light my candle? 
it, it wasn't necessarily the lyric, but like the melody. I just like I couldn't. You couldn't get on board. I just I and like I was just like I don't like this. This isn't. What's one of the songs you did really like besides Seasons of Love and Tango? More uh, well, obviously the Tango one for sure. Tango, uh, okay. and then the Cafe song, the Love You Bohem. Love You Bohem. Yeah, um, you still can't say. I still can't. I can't. But, do, I cannot you can't do, do other languages. Of yeah. No. Um, but that was that was a that was a fun number because I liked. Did like, you feel emotional during "I'll Cover You" reprise, which is the funer- the one in the funeral? The song itself didn't necessarily do anything for me, but like the characters acting and like reacting to like their friend passing away, like that was more of okay. the the connection I had and stuff like that. Like again, like the songs in general, I liked more than I didn't like, but still as a whole, like. I'm overwhelmed with the amount of songs in it. So it's hard for me to like, because a lot of the songs like also just went from one to the other. And I was like, Oh, this is a different song. Um, I called it the uh, montage of sadness. Uh, like when um, what's his name? Like sells his car. He's like driving through desert sells, sells his car. What you the own car. the same song. Yeah, you you get... <laughs> one of my favorite songs. Yeah. But th- like that one, I was just like, I didn't like, necessarily the song itself but like that it, it is a montage of sadness or it's just like oh everyone's kind of like trying to move on with their thing it's how so death like, is it's a process yeah um so like again but i'm i'm coming at this like as the movie kind of thing and so like the movie aspects are what worked for me but like some of the musical stuff is what fell flat for me <laughs> so but again if they if they committed that it'd be a different story i think uh, another flat is uh, I wanted more more people to be dead, but that was it. Oh wow! Okay, partially um, because it, it was what I was expecting, and and again it wasn't given. So. You you got angel and a dog. What more? How much death do you need? More and and in without you, you saw all the people in the life support meeting fade away, yeah. and they're dead. Again, visually, I liked that sequence or whatever. Like, um, it, okay, in the stage production of that, how does how do they pull that off? So that doesn't happen. You you yeah. still have life support, which really only happens in the two songs. In the song life support, which is the one, look, I find some of what you teach suspect. Uh, I've been longing under intellect but I try to open up that one and then we'll, yeah. and then that's it for the support group without you. The song that is the montage of them dying, leading up to angel's death. It's Mimi and Roger breaking up basically on stage. Okay. And then there's a shit ton of songs that they cut out from act two in this movie. That, that's the crazy thing too. is just like, there's a ton of songs in this. And the fact that so many were cut out, how long is, well, there's a, but there's also an intermission. It's about the same. I wanna, I wanna say maybe like, what this movie was what two and a half hours? Maybe like two hours forty five minutes. Two and fifteen. Two fifteen. So then maybe it's like two and a half, two forty five. Okay. Yeah, it wasn't that. It's not that much longer. No, it's just also interesting because Act One, from the opening up until La Vie Bohème B, that is all supposed to take place on Christmas Eve in the show. That is all one day. Good job, because then New Year's is like right after that, right? But then that opens up Act Two, okay. New Year's. But so, oh, but in the production, Act Two opens with 
with seasons of love and then it goes through the next year oh, okay so, make sense start to finish what's the timeline of the movie one, the year. Story? one year one year one okay i thought for some reason i thought it was like two years no but so it's now- it's christmas eve 1989 to christmas eve 1990 so a lot of these relationships are only a year old in this course of the story, which is crazy. Yeah. But then that's also how life is when you're 19 or 20. Mm-hmm. Like a year- and like the intense relationship between Angel and Collins. Yeah. Like that happened in the show. That is hours old. That is not in the movie. <laughs> at least you can justify it's like a day or two when they sing, I'll cover you. But in the show, it's an hour. So it's it's like a couple hours. So you're like, this is like hard love. And I mean, it's also based off of an opera. So like we give it a little bit more leniency that way. Yeah, sure. Um, get a pass. My new sharps. I didn't sharp this last time and I'm very upset with myself. The Tango Maureen dance break or the choreography. I agree with you. I, lo- I love it. I've always loved it. I don't know why I didn't sharp it last time. I also want to sharp angel uh wilson jermaine heredia like it's such an important character that he probably didn't think at the time when the show and then when the show was happening like how important this character was going to be and then i also want to sharp joanne's parents because right before the reception or whatever or engagement party or whatever they're doing they're just chill they're like our daughters you have to remember too this is 8990 this is yeah, yeah, the yeah. 90s this is that's yeah. a big deal yeah so kudos which goes which leads me to my new flat of Maureen's mom at the end of take me or leave me I fucking hate that line it's not a it's not funny it never was funny <laughs> where she says she turns to Mark is like maybe you two can get back together and it's like why yeah 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 cuz in real life that'd be the most awkwardest cringiest thing to say at a wedding right and like it being a movie does not make it funny it just makes it weird but in real life it would just be 10 times weirder and more uncomfortable like like somebody would punch her in real life um yeah, yeah. and then like I, what the fuck <laughs> in real life she if she's that type of person she's not getting invited to the wedding yeah but then also you're like oh i understand where maureen now comes from <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. So um, a lot of sense yeah. Uh, and then my other new flat is turning some of the songs into dialogue but keeping the patter these people have done it. It like built their careers basically for the those six actors. So they know that they've done the pattern and all the workshops and everything. So it's in them, and I and you could tell it was hard for them to turn it into like words, <laughs> sentences, not lyrics. Would you add any of the songs to your life's playlist, Matan? I think I know already, but I want to hear them. The the song "Sounds of Summer." No, that's not what it is. Seasons of Love. Seasons, Seasons of Love. Of love doing great you don't know what it is i'm never gonna get that title right for whatever reason but that is like again it's a great new year song it's a great um anthem uh like just a motivating song it is like it is kind of sad too um because it's just like it's a good protest song i've seen it on tiktok like at different protests and stuff it kind of it works it yeah. works i mean the sh- should have sung that at the protest instead of mooing, but... 100%. Uh, Sam, what songs would you add? Well, Seasons of Love is already there. La Viva Wemma would be on there. I still can't say it. Mm-hmm. I think those would be the two. 
but really like so it's hard to pick because so many of them are like so such great like I mean, soundtrack songs. The and the first chance in this time around, I'm gonna say the whole album. You could say that too if you want. I'll say the whole album then. I'll take all of it. Yeah. And on that note, gentlemen, we did it. We did the second chance of rent. Bravo. Bra- Matan, I, I'm sorry if this became like a you heavy episode, but it was it's just very interesting because like I don't know anybody who's never seen this movie. So I was just now curious and wanted to hear your thoughts and everything. Sorry, Sam, it's probably gonna be all Matan quotes for the for the okay. Instagram and everything. Yeah, we have nothing. Sam Sam's got enough. It, anyway. It's fun having someone watch because I feel like this movie really affects you when you the younger you are when you first see it. So seeing someone watch it a little older in life is interesting. Yeah, sure, exactly. And, One year older than you. Yeah. Well, no, I mean I was like fourteen when I saw it the first. Sure. Movie. Yeah. But versus only, you, it speaks to a lot of teenagers as opposed yeah. to thirty-year-olds. <laughs> so, so I saw this movie now for the first time. I don't think I would have the same emotional connections. <laughs> It's how again we've we've talked about this on our podcast because I'm watching The Sopranos for the first time. So many so many amazing amazing shows that definitely have been influenced by by Sopranos and stuff like that. But like watching Sopranos for me now, I'm like, this is never going to hit like it does for other people. Like so, if I had seen Rent when it came out, either a state production or the film, especially I mean especially the film because that's the beginning of high school, like. I feel like I would have a different connection to this movie, but right. because I'm seeing this later after having seen like other musicals, having seen whatever, um, and this being my introduction, I do kind of look at it with a different lens compared to both of you guys. I'm not saying you guys have rose colored glasses on, but like it could never be what that. it is for you guys kind of thing, but yeah. I'm still glad I watched it. Um, because it is a big deal. Like it is a phenomenon. It has been like going on for so long, you know? Um, and then again, like, um, like with uh, Tick, Tick, Boom and that, like that story and stuff like that. Like I didn't know about Jonathan uh, Franz, Larson, Larson, Larson. Franz is the author. Anyway, um, I didn't know any of that stuff. And that made me more interested in this. And now I am more interested in seeing Tick, Tick, Boom. Um, I think you'll like Tick, Tick, but better because of the same thing. I saw Tick, Tick, Boom like two weeks after turning 30. So that has resonated with me way more than it would have if I would have saw it when the show first came out 20 years ago. Like, you know, so I think, yeah, the time where you are in life when you watch something will always have a stronger connection to you. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, Uh, that's the whole basis of our podcast where... We're watching movies from our Lost and Blockbuster, watching movies from our childhood. Yeah, they don't always hold up. Yeah, they definitely don't. And some of it's just nostalgia, but you know, some stuff like a like an old teddy bear, you know, it's it's just like, oh, it's comforting. You're like, oh, I remember this. This brings me so much joy. Or you get those ones you don't really remember, then you're watching, you're like, this is actually really good. Yeah. Surprise (laughs) ones. Yeah. And like again, like through like our podcast, like with this, like Sam's seen movies that he's never like i'm showing him movies he's never seen he's there's a couple movies that we've done that i hadn't seen and stuff but he had had seen and like but yeah but like this rent is one that was huge for him and i'd never seen it but like glad i watched it you know i think last year or two years ago we went to comic-con and anthony rapp was there because of star trek mostly but we went to i was like we gotta go to this panel because i'm like i just hope someone asked him a rent question and like 60% 60% of the questions were all rent related and the happiest I've ever been. 
Happiest I've ever been. Nice. So what do you have to plug or promote? Uh, obviously our podcast, Lost in Blockbuster. You can find us on Spotify, Apple Music, all the usual spots. Um, we just did our Joe Pesci episode. Yeah, we did a little Joe Pesci special episode. But uh, we're currently on season two of our podcast. We're doing uh, it's D-Bags and D-Coms. Uh, so we're going through the Disney Channel original movies. Uh, we started with uh, Suzy Q. It was wasn't a Disney one, right? Channel original movie. It was like a Disney TV movie. Something. It had a special name. Yeah. Um, uh, but then we also did My Date with the President's Daughter, which is also not a decom. But uh, and I think that's the next episode we're dropping. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, we're going through up into uh, High School Musical is our cutoff. But yeah, that's 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 it on our end. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And if you want to talk more about Rent with me, you can email me at buttersongpod at gmail.com. Also on Facebook, Instagram, what used to be called Twitter and TikTok at buttersongpod. Um, there is a filmed version of the last performance of Rent. I don't want you to watch that. I want you to see it live. I want to do that. that yeah, no, no, I want to like if I'm going to see. You need to see it live. Like I don't like they have. Don't do um the Hamilton. They like, have Hamilton, Hamilton was a pro like, shot, yeah, but that that's I want to see it. There's also it the Rent live Fox thing with yeah, a, don't watch Vanessa that. Fox. Don't, don't watch do that. that. See the staged version first, and then watch yeah. that. And I would love to get a follow up on you uh, from you, whenever you see the stage version. So this is an open invitation for you to come back on. And Sam, you're more than welcome to come on too and talk about it. But I'm I want always down. To- we maybe this will be like the third chance of this episode, <laughs> just so we yeah, can hear more about your thoughts and how you feel afterwards. Um, and if you want to be part of next episode's conversation, we're going to be talking about It's Always Fairweather, another Gene Kelly extravaganza. Sam and Matan, thank you so much for coming back on. Thank you everyone for listening and bye for now. Bye. bye. Special thanks to Justin Johnson for creating the podcast's artwork and to Nick Bombasino for composing the theme song and the jingles in this podcast. And thank you to CastBox for hosting this podcast. Bye again, everyone, and have a musical day.